When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, they did it. The Buffalo Bills have won their fourth straight AFC East Division Championship. It was not easy, of course. They did it by winning in Miami. 21 to 14 in a game that looked a little bit bleak as it was going on with the offense struggling early on in the first half, some turnovers, and then finally ultimately getting a big play from special teams and then a lockdown defense in the second half. They also did it by winning five straight games after the bye to close out the season. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It is the post-game edition. It's the post-regular season edition. I'm Sal Capaccio. Matt Bove joins me now. Matt is actually on the road driving to get back to the airport in Fort Lauderdale or Miami, wherever you're going, Matt, coming back to Buffalo. I just got off the team charter about four hours ago, less than that, and here we are, excited to talk to you about this uh, championship. Matt, th- glad to be with you, and uh, I know you're probably tired like I am. Yeah, we're tired, but that game was so much fun. That game rocked. Now, you'll hate the game if you're a Dolphins fan, but if you were a Bills fan or just a fan of football, The game had everything you could want. There was drama. There were big plays. There were crazy mistakes. I give the Bills so much credit. The word resiliency has been thrown around a lot the last month or so. They were, things were so bleak. They were six and six. It never looked like this team was really going to amount to anything. It felt like it was going to be a wasted year. And just like that, five weeks go by and they're in the exact same position as they were last year when the expectations were sky high. Everything that they want to accomplish is right in front of them. Winning the division certainly helps. It means you get at least one home playoff game, potentially two, who knows, down the road. That's important, but now you need to take advantage of it. Now you need to make sure that you don't waste what you've done for these last five weeks, and I don't think they will. I think sometimes there's something to be said about how battle-tested a team can be, and the adversity that they go through, and that better prepares them for these playoff games. 
it's a cliche, but they've said the last five games have all been playoff games. But if they really, truly do believe that in their heads, which I think they do, then what really changes this week? It could have been a winner-go-home game yesterday against the Dolphins. They know they got the help. They obviously appreciated the help, but they still wanted the division. The mindset against Pittsburgh will be the exact same. Just win, live to fight another day, and this team has proven to us this year that they can do that. Well, what might change and what will change is the weather against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It doesn't look pretty. That is the Bills' opponent. We'll get to that a little bit later as we look ahead, but let's look back Sunday night, the atmosphere in Miami. Bills Mafia showed up and showed out for their team. And Matt, it was not something that they were expecting necessarily with the Bills driving and turning the ball over early on. They were looking at touchdowns that turned into turnovers. The Bills fall behind early. What did you make of the first few series where the Bills just could not punch the ball in the end zone or even give themselves three points due to A, a Josh Allen interception on a miscommunication on third down, and then B, a Josh Allen essentially an arm punt a little bit later on the second series. Self-inflicted wounds. I don't have as much of a problem with the second interception because it's fourth down. You need to throw the ball up. You actually saved yourself 20 yards by doing that. But the first one, I just assume there's a miscommunication between Josh Allen and Gabe Davis. It has to be that. I think when he's feeling the pressure, you can see Gabe is starting to lean to the left a little bit. I think he thinks he's going to stop there. He ends up going to the middle to try and find open space, but by the time he does that, the ball had already been thrown, and it was the easiest interception probably Eli Apple will ever have. And then as far as the second one is concerned, I hated the play call. Now, after watching the replay again, it looks like they had Kincaid in the flat, so Allen probably needs to see that. But this is the Josh Allen experience. Sometimes you have to take the good with the bad. And when he's rolling to his right, oftentimes he makes that crazy exceptional play. This was a time where he did not do that. So I just think that the mistakes were plentiful in the first half. They're really, really frustrating. But they're also kind of something we've come to expect. And they've been able to overcome them more times than not. That does not mean this needs to be a trend or this needs to be something that happens every single week. You do not want to give the Pittsburgh Steelers two or three turnovers. That would be atrocious for you. But at the same time, if you do, you've got a quarterback who might be able to overcome the deficit that they put you in. Self-inflicted wounds. You cannot do that to let teams hang around, especially teams that you're better than. And honestly, they probably should have won yesterday by two touchdowns or more the way the game was played. The only thing that the Dolphins did well was take the ball away. And run the ball in the first half. The Dolphins ran for 101 yards in the first half. It looked like they really had something. The Bills did a great job in the second half of adjusting, holding them to just seven yards rushing. But before that, we get right before halftime. The Bills have another opportunity to punch it in. They're down 14-7. Josh Allen with 11 seconds left. After James Cook drops a ball that he should have had for a touchdown, I will say I think maybe it was tough for him to see from the angle that it got maybe caught right right in front of him. There was like a, a guy running. Maybe he was screened a little bit, but got to come up with that because it hit his hands there. But after that, Josh Allen with 11 seconds left, throws the ball in the middle of the field with no timeouts left to Ty Johnson, who looked like, hey, he's going to get in. Great play by the defender for the Miami Dolphins. The Bills get stay out of the end. They, they come away with no points. During halftime, in the halftime interview with Melissa Stark at NBC, Sean's not happy, and he says no. so. And I agree with him, Matt. You can't do that. You can't throw the ball in the middle of the field in that situation. You either throw it in the end zone or on the boundary or away to give yourself three points, and the Bills had another wasted opportunity. And it looked 
Like this was one of these games that we saw so many times this year, the Jets, the Patriots, the Bengals, whatever it is, the, the Broncos where they just, the Giants, even though they won that game, it looked like one of those games on repeat. Yeah, it did. It's funny. The Well, it's not funny, but the Ty Johnson play was eerily similar to another play that happened actually against the Dolphins last year in the second regular season game when Josh is running out to the right and finds James Cook in the back of the end zone with no time left on the clock. So the touchdown turned out to be a brilliant, incredible play. But if it's an incomplete pass, once again, same situation. You leave points on the board. For Josh Allen, he needs to know, even though it looked like Ty Johnson could have got in, it was an awesome play. It was an illegal hit. It was helmet to helmet, but regardless, it should not have been a thrown ball. So I think in that one, if you don't have something in the end zone, you have to just throw it away. And Josh deserves most of the blame for these things. But at the same time, if James Cook catches a ball that hits him right in the hands on the play before, they have a touchdown and we're not having the conversation. So, yes, Josh is at fault in that situation. He just needs to throw it out of the back of the end zone because the one thing, which I'm sure he was told before the play, was you cannot take a sack and you cannot throw anything to the middle of the field. And he thought that Ty Johnson was going to get in. He did not. So they gave up three points there at minimum. And in a game like this, three points could have been crucial. It felt like that was a really deflating moment. But lucky for them, in the second half, the defense really stepped up, and then Hardy kind of gave them the spark they needed. Yeah, and in that first half, the Miami Dolphins, 218 total yards, 101 yards rushing. They had something going, especially on the perimeter. Miami, four of six on third down. Miami wasn't, like, getting chunks of plays. They had a nice thing going running the ball. They had good yardage running the ball. It wasn't like they were getting the big play, though, that we've seen with the Miami Dolphins. But they did have 14 points on the board. They go to halftime up 14-7. But then the second half comes. Let's talk about that. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. All right, Matt. Second half starts, and it really started kind of the same way the first half ended for the Buffalo Bills. The Bills get the ball to start the second half, and they just march down the field. But then they get to third and five from the Miami five-yard line. And and it went – oh, let me actually – I'm sorry. Let me go back. That was the first quarter. Sorry. Let me go to the third quarter here. Third quarter. Bills get the ball. They march down the field, and they get down to the Miami 48-yard line, third and five. Josh takes a sack. And they yeah. have to punt the ball away. Another missed opportunity. And you're thinking, here's what I'm thinking. Just don't keep this. Just don't let it be a two-score game. Yep. You don't let it be a two-score game. You have a shot. And that's when the defense started to step up. And they were even losing players. Rasul Douglas is out. Here comes Dane Jackson. 
And how about Balin Specter coming in? Did a great job. The defense had to step up in those first couple of drives in the in the second half. Yeah, the game was all about the unsung heroes. It's, of course, about the AFC East, but you've got Balin Specter. You've got Dane Jackson. I tweeted when they came into the game, man, this is really gone from bad to worse now that you're already down and you're without two guys who you really counted on and Tyrell Dodson and Russell Douglas. They did not skip a beat. They were awesome in this game. So you have those guys. You have Puna Ford, who makes the block on the Deontay Hardy punt return, which is just insane that he was even out on the field. You have the Deontay Hardy touchdown. You've got the Taylor Rapp interception at the end of the game. You've got Khalil Shakir having one of his best games of his career. You have Dalton Kincaid probably having the best of his career. So the entire game was about the unsung heroes, but especially on defense, to pitch a shutout, against this team, and I know the Dolphins are also banged up, but at home, to hold them to 14 points after they scored 14 in the first half is the most impressive outing for this unit the entire season, and Sean McDermott deserves so much of that credit. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about that defense in the second half. This is a stat for you, folks. The Miami Dolphins, 101 yards rushing in the first half, seven, not 70, not 17, seven yards rushing in the second half. The Bills made a great adjustment to button up on the perimeter. Terrell Bernard talked about it at halftime and said, you know, they were getting them on the perimeter. The Bills made some adjustments. They made sure they shut that down. And Matt, I think, I think because of that, I think Mike McDaniel got a little spooked and Mm -hmm. they didn't really have an answer for that. And now the Bills kind of made them one dimensional a little bit. And that's when they were able to get their secondary involved a little bit more to get their hands on some balls to break it up. A couple of fortunate drops from Tyreek Hill, to be quite honest with you. One was a nice play by Micah Hyde as well. But the Bills did a very nice job because they had a great second half adjustment. And that's why in the second half, the possessions for Miami went punt, 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 punt. No more than four plays, any drive, interception at the end of the game. But we all know the game turned on Deontay Hardy's punt return. What was your vantage point? What were you thinking when you saw Deontay Hardy taking that ball at his own four-yard line? So it happens right in front of us. The Hard Rock Stadium press box used to be the press box for the baseball field when they played baseball there. So it's a really obscure kind of vantage point. It almost would be like if you're sitting behind home plate. So for me, I'm at third base, which is basically directly behind the end zone. So the punt is coming right at me and I'm sitting next to Mike Catalana. And I say, just let it go into the end zone because you had probably five or six yards of separation from the person chasing him down to where he is catching the ball. So I'm like, man, unless that takes a crazy bounce, that's going to be a touchback. Just take it at the 20. He takes it right when he breaks the first tackle. Then it's clear as day. Oh, my gosh, he's going to take this. He's going to take this to the house. And it's so fitting for the game that was played that that would be the play that kind of brought the Bills back into it. It felt like in a little bit of a way, even though we knew they made the playoffs, it felt like a little bit of a way that DeAndre Hardy kind of saved the season. And I think yeah. the minute that happened, I think a lot of Bills fans were pretty juiced up and rejuvenated thinking that this game is still very much within reach because at that point, you had just forced the Dolphins to punt. This, the whole sequence was really impressive because Tyreek kept, well, they ruled it a catch, like a 14-yard gain that would have brought them around yeah, midfield. Yeah. And Sean challenges the play. Now, Sean, historically, does not have any success challenging the play. It's overruled and reversed, ruled an incomplete pass. That pushes them back to second and 15. On the next play, 
they take an illegal blindside block penalty, and that pushes him back another 15 yards. So then just like that, you go from second and one at the 50 to third, or excuse me, second and 30. I think they ran a draw play, and then they had an incomplete pass after that. So then that's when the punt return happens. So you're feeling good about the defense. Deontay Hardy makes this big, huge play. And then at this point, there's still like 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So there's a lot of game to be had. And then the stop on the next possession after the Hardy one was really when I was like, they're going to win this game. They're going to go down the field because they moved the ball well the entire game. I had no doubts that they would be able to get up and down the field offensively. My doubts were, and kind of snarkingly tweeted, after the beautiful back shoulder throw to Kincaid that set them up on that drive, and then they had the deep shot to Shakir. I was like, you can't have a red zone turnover if you don't get to the red zone. And then a couple plays later, they scored, and then that's when it was like, okay, yeah, I I really do think that they're going to win this game because I think one of two things is going to happen. Either the defense is going to make another stop because they look that good, or if the Dolphins score, I'm confident the Bills are going to go down the field and score again because they were moving the ball well. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I felt the same once that touched up. From my perspective, and you probably did the same thing, the first thing I'm looking at is there flags. Are any flags, flags. on the play, right? All over. You're so used to flags all, all the time. You're so used to flags in that situation. It didn't happen. Hardy was not touched. I mean, he went 96 yards, zero hands on him. He just took it. What, Like you said, great blocking right up the middle. Bam. Takes it to the house. You look, there's no flags. The minute that happened, Matt, being on the sidelines like I am, I mean, you literally, you know, you've been in situations, you've been in the stadium when you can feel the energy change, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt the energy change. The Bills fans were there were so, the the nervous anticipation, the disappointment of not getting in the end zone those few other times. And then when that happened, it really was like a big kind of collective sigh of relief. Like, here we go. We've been in control of this game, and now it's back to where it needs to be, and we'll be fine. And then after the game, players even basically said in the locker room, hey, we knew once that happened, we could feel it. We had the momentum. We're going to get a stop. Offense is going to score. We're, we're taking charge of this game now. You know, paraphrasing a few of them, what they said, it was yeah. right there. It's exactly what happened. They come out. They stop them on the next drive. The Bills get the ball. They go right down the field. And on that next drive for the Bills, another guy stepping up. How about Ryan Vandemark coming in at left tackle on mm-hmm. an eight-play, 75-yard drive for the Bills to get the game-winning touchdown? Deion Dawkins goes out. He has a lacerated hand. He's getting stitched up. He misses that whole drive, misses the punt return, misses the, that drive. Ryan Vandemark comes in, plays left tackle, and the first guy, after Dion comes out of the tunnel, gets on the bench, they, they score, they kick the extra point. The first guy off the field to go hug Ryan Vandemark was Dion Dawkins. He gave him a big yeah. old hug. It was great. I mean, I, I think that just speaks volume, volumes to these guys, this team, unselfishness, understanding your role, and wanting everybody – in your position, whether you're the backup or starter to succeed and help each other. Yeah, so we're after the game. It's a really kind of it, – it's the worst, but I'm not – I don't want to say it's – I'm not complaining. It's just the reality of it. With a couple minutes left in the game, we have to go down to the tunnel. So we always miss – most of the time, we miss the end of the game. Now we're watching it on a TV screen. So with about three minutes left in the game, after the third and 13 run, I get in an elevator and I head down to the tunnel. I go down. I'm watching the rest of the game on the TV. Right when the game ends, we run down to the Bills tunnel so we can get those guys coming in, and then obviously they have their interviews. Watching that team come off of the field yesterday, the energy, excitement, and honestly just relief that they all had, I know we can say, 
well, it's the most important game because it's the next game and every game is a must win. And these have all been playoffs. They were so revved up yesterday. And I know it's a big win, but I do think that those kind of moments are contagious. And I think those are the things that can springboard a run here. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really optimistic that this team could make some noise. It just felt like they are so in sync with each other and so many different guys stepped up for them that the belief that they have in everybody on that roster is about as strong as it's been during the entire time in this era. You know what I mean? Like the closest I think they've ever been to a Super Bowl, even though they have gotten farther, was the year that they had 13 seconds. And this is feeling eerily similar to that. You just obviously hope that it does not end in such a catastrophic way like it did that year. Just the guys that stepped up, the moments in the game, the different players in the game. Josh Allen having a terrible first half and just immediately – like in the Did he have a half, terrible first half? Did he have a terrible first half? There was I don't think two he had a terrible first half. I think he had two. He had one really, two really bad decisions. One turned out to be a really bad throw as well, kind of. Yeah. And otherwise, I thought he played. You know, he. I mean, he was dialed in. He was from the get go. He was hitting guys. I don't think he had a terrible first half. I think he made a couple critical mistakes that cost the team, though. If you think the interception is on Gabe, uh, the, I'm not saying you. I'm saying in right. general. Yeah. yeah. If you think the interception is on Gabe and he ran the route wrong, then maybe it's not as terrible as I said. But the right. simply inexcusable plays are yeah. the throw to Ty Johnson cannot happen. Like, yep. I know that you're trying to let your guy make a play, and that is why Josh is such a freak. But in that situation, you cannot do that. And then the other one, I have no issue with the second interception because it basically was an arm punt. But I have an issue with him missing Kincaid, who was wide open, which would have continued to move the ball and then probably led to points. So in that instance, I feel like if you move the ball that well and only have seven points, something went wrong. What I posted last night in the third or fourth quarter was it is incredible that Josh Allen has the ability to be the best player in the game and the worst player in the game all in the same 60 minutes. And I feel like that's a little bit of what we saw yesterday. For the first half, I said terrible. You could say bad. You could say whatever you want. In the second half, the only bad play, only bad play, was the Christian Wilkins fumble, which is also a nice play from him. He was outstanding in the second half, and I think that's one of the differences between a guy who is truly elite like Josh and then a guy who is good like Tua. Because in the second half, Tua crumbled and Josh shined. You know, it's interesting – I wonder, despite the two interceptions and the fumble, if Josh could still win the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Matt, he was 30 of 38. That's 78.9%, 79%. 359 yards, mm-hmm. okay? And he also, he had, what, 15? He had 15 carries for 67 yards. He totaled, total, excuse me, 426 yards of offense. I mean, yeah, he might he was- win AFC Offensive Player of the Week again against the Miami Dolphins. Before we get to our final you know, segment and talk about the upcoming opponent, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and, and the look ahead, how about you were right. I'm going to give you a lot of credit here, buddy. Um, Leonard Fournette, he gets yeah. elevated. They, they, they inactivate um, Latavius Murray. It seems like it was the right choice. Leonard Fournette had a couple of runs where he needed to squeeze a couple extra yards out of it, and he did. 
yeah, I think it was their first offensive possession of the game where it was third and one, and it was obvious that they were just going to turn around and hand it to Fournette, and he got him five yards. And there were a couple instances where he got those short yardage situations. This should be the norm. His nickname is Playoff Lenny for a reason. You should have him active. Well, now with the Ty Johnson concussion, he might just be active regardless of how they feel about Latavius Murray. But I think there's a world where Leonard Fournette is now getting the second most touches if Ty Johnson is unavailable. And Ty Johnson should not be punished for getting hurt. He has been really good for this team and has made some really good plays. But, yeah, I I like Leonard Fournette. And in those short-yarded situations, I do trust him. All right, Bills take on the Steelers Sunday at 1 o'clock. Let's talk about the look ahead. All right, Sean McDermott, I think, had a chance to exhale as well after the game along with Bills Mafia. Caught up with him on the field for a uh, post-game radio interview. Very raw emotions coming from Sean McDermott. Uh, it was really something. I've been getting a lot of people you know, tweeting about how they've never really seen or heard Sean in that moment. And we, We've been around Sean enough to know, Matt, we've seen him – vulnerable and emotional, but that truly was some very, very raw emotion right after the game coming out from him. Oh yeah, for sure it was. And even after he left the field with doing the interview with you, when he was hanging around in the post-game press conference room after, and then he was in the locker room for a little while, like you could just tell that this was a guy who feels like his team has really accomplished something, but also feels like they might just still be scratching the surface. And For Sean McDermott, this has been a really, really, really tough season for a lot of reasons. I mean, it was five weeks ago, and there was very serious discussions about whether this guy was going to be the head coach of this team long term. What was going to happen to him? And, I mean, he's completely put those to bed with this five-game win streak that they're on. And if they go on a deep run, then, you know, I don't think anybody's having the conversation. they got to beat the teams they need to beat. You have to beat the Steelers. And depending on what happens, if you beat the Steelers – then you probably got to win another game, but his job is safe. And I think what he did yesterday was maybe his most impressive outing of the year, given the stage. And it's not just the defense. It was the decision-making. They go for it on fourth and one at their own 35 yard line. I freaking loved that. Have the faith in your, you know, ridiculously large human of a quarterback that he can jump over the pile And he did. And I know it didn't work later in the thing. Oh, here's a question I have for you, because I've been thinking about this. Do you remember the play? So the the crazy run from Josh Allen is third and 13. Okay, you're going to ask me about the penalty. Yes. Okay. I've had this question a few times. Hold on. I know what you're going to say. Why did they accept it? Why they decline it? Which one are you going to ask me? Because here's what happened. Yes, I I think I'm sorry to cut you off because I think I know what you're going to ask me here. Here's the deal, folks. The, the Bills declined the penalty, I believe, even though it doesn't show up like that on the official play-by-play and even though it didn't seem like that in the stadium. Here's why I say that. The Bills had the ball at their own uh, – on that drive. Hold on, let me look it up here. They had the ball at their own. Where was Josh? He was running. Uh, how much time was left? Okay. Bills had the ball third and 13 at their own 34. I'm reading the official play-by-play in the game book, okay? Josh scrambles right for 15 yards. Penalty on Jalen Ramsey, five yards – holding but the next snap was taken from the miami 46 so i think they did decline it it just doesn't show up there so if they declined it why did the clock not run um good question because that cost them 40 seconds that Correct. penalty I'm not sure so my impression was that if you decline the penalty the right. clock would start running 
I've had but that, it, I've had but that it, question from some people already today, but I'm looking at the time on the plane. Go ahead and say what you want to say while I look at it. So basically what I think happened was I think there was like 3.02 left in the game or something like that. 3.04, yes. But the timing really kind of did not help the Bills because you knew they were going to have to run their plays all before the two-minute warning because at that point Miami only had one timeout left and they did not use the timeout to stop the clock there. So they still had a timeout left. So the penalty stopped the clock, but I thought the penalty only stopped the clock if you accepted the penalty. So I don't well, understand. Does say on the play-by-play, penalty on Ramsey, defensive holding, enforced at the Buffalo 49. But if that's the case... If that's the case, that was know. a bad... If that's if that's the case, that's a mistake from the Bills. Because it is, the but, t- but, but the next snap takes from the, is from the Miami 46, which is 15 yards, which is what Josh Allen, Allen gained. Yeah, so I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand that. Um, but I, that was the one thing that I didn't know if Sean made a mistake on because – You know what? To, Hold on. To, Let me ask you this. This this could be it. Actually, now that I look at it, let's add it up. The Bills had, the, had it from their 34. Josh gains 15. I'm wrong. If you go and add that up, that gets you to the Miami – that gets you to the Bills 49. The next snap is the Miami 46. Matt, I think they tacked on the penalty. Yeah, I think they the did hole. too. I think they tacked on the penalty. That's but what they if did. You're, but if you're the Bills, can't you decline? Uh, unless, are you not allowed to decline that? I, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe I should ask. Um, maybe I should look into it. I, I, I guess I should. But it looks like they got 20 yards on the play, not just mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's why the the clock stopped. I don't know. Yeah, I was just, regardless, it was a really impressive day for Sean McDermott and his staff. For Matt Smiley, last week you give up a kick return. This week you get a punt return. And then, you know, Sean was in his bag. I think Joe Brady responded well in the second half. I thought for a lot of the first half, even though they moved the ball well, Fangio was doing some things that kind of threw the bills off. I was a little surprised they didn't come out with a little bit more tempo early in the second half because that seemed to work in the first half. But maybe they were trying to just kind of settle Josh down a little bit and get him under center. So I think it was a nice day for the coaching staff. That was the one thing I've been thinking about why that penalty was yeah. not something that they declined. But I wonder. I, I don't know. I don't know the details of it. I'm going to look into it a little bit and see exactly what the um, the clock rules are in that. It looks like they took the 15 and they got the penalty tacked on. So I'm going to yeah. look at the uh, time on that. In the meantime. Super wild card weekend. Here we go. The uh-huh. NFL gets things going on Saturday. It's going to be Browns at Texans, and then it's going to be Dolphins at Chiefs. The Bills obviously forced the Dolphins to go to Kansas City by beating them. Then it's going to be the Steelers at Bills Sunday at 1 o'clock, Packers at Cowboys, Rams at Lions Sunday night, and then the Eagles at the Buccaneers on Monday night football. All right, Steelers coming to town to take on the Bills, a Steelers team that, I mean, I, I just believe that this team, I don't know, Mike Tomlin's a witch or something. I have no idea how they got to 10 wins this year. I don't think they're all that good. They've had quarterback issues, obviously. They have a lot of offensive issues. They did make an offensive coordinator change like the Bills did. They've been winning games late like the Bills. A lot of similarities there. But, man, I I, I think the Bills just have to be able to take care of this opponent. This is the dream scenario. I think if you would have chosen, and I have, I, I think I said this to you. Yeah, the, the last episode. Right, right. Rank the teams you'd like to play. I think the Steelers were the team we said. That's who uh-huh. you think you want to play. Yep, exactly. I mean, for me, it's Mason Rudolph. It's not this. Yeah. Well, assuming Mason Rudolph's going to play, right? They're not going to have Kenny Pickett go out there. Maybe. Well, I guess we'll see. Either way, you should be able to beat Mason Rudolph. You should be able to beat Kenny Pickett. And if that's your first round matchup in the playoffs, for as good as their defense is, their defense likely without TJ Watt, by the way, 
Because if his brother yes. is right, they say rest and recovery for several weeks. And then, you know, they avoided the worst case scenario. So TJ Watts, the best player on that team without him, even though the defense is still really, really, really good after watching what the bills have been able to do to during this five game win streak, you hold Patrick Mahomes to 17 points. You hold Dak to 10 points. You hold Tua to 14 points. You should be able to hold Mason Rudolph to something similar to that. And for as good as their defense is, I feel confident that the Bills will be able to, you know, put up 24, 27 points. And that should be enough against this team. The one thing I will say is do not take anybody. This team, the Bills have a tendency to play up to their opponents and down to their opponents. They've almost lost to the Easton Stick-led Chargers. They almost lost to the Bailey Zappi-led Patriots. They did lose to Zach Wilson. They did lose to Mac Jones. The minute you get overconfident about these games is when you get super stressed out at the end because it looks like they're going to let it slip away. I think this is the biggest line of opening weekend. I think the Bills are the biggest favorites in the league this weekend. The fact that they're at home... Just gives nine you that much nine and a half. Yeah. The, the fact that they're at home gives you a little bit more comfort because they've been pretty good there this year, but don't write off the Steelers. They're, they're still, a t- like you said, they're one of those teams that just kind of always hangs around and kind of always is in games, even though you don't think they should be. Yeah. The only thing that's really thrown a fly in the ointment here is the weather, Matt, to be quite honest with you. Now I know it's Buffalo. I get it. And you know, you're still playing the steel. It's the ultimate equalizer. Look at, the weather they played in at Baltimore. And I know they played the backups there, but you never know what can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the weather forecast right now, we are still six days out, obviously. The weather forecast right now for Orchard Park on Sunday, about 20 degrees, windy, and snow. That is not a great recipe for trying to, you know, have both teams at their, I guess, full capacity to do what they, they want to do, I guess I'd say. Yeah, I hope, you know, for the Bills' sake, you hope that that changes as the week goes along here because we are still six days away. The one thing I will say is it all depends how much wind and how much snow because the Bills can operate with wind and they can operate better than probably any team because their quarterback's got the strongest arm in the NFL. As far as the run game is concerned, you're a bit concerned about you know, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, because those are both good running backs who have different skill sets who can kind of make big time plays. But still, like even with bad weather, I mean, they played in bad weather against the Ravens and snuck out a win. Like the Bills with Josh Allen should be able to beat them regardless of the conditions. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, Sunday at one o'clock. Bills, Steelers, what are you thinking about the Dolphins-Chiefs matchup? Which, by the way, it's going to be worse weather in Kansas City, I think, Matt. It's going to be like zero degrees and snowing. Well, once again, you are not counting your chickens before they hatch. So if that's the case, you do not even really think about any of the matchups or anything until the Bills game has come to an end. So what are the outcomes? If the Bills win and the Chiefs win, it's Bills, Chiefs, and Orchard Park, right? If that, well, okay, say it again. Let's see. Here, here's if the Bills win and the Chiefs, and the Chiefs win, win, then the Ravens um, would get the winner of the four five game. That's correct. Yes. If the Bills if win the, and the Dolphins win, the Bills get the winner of the four five game, which is Texans Browns. That's correct. Y- yes. Okay. So if you're somebody who is looking ahead, which I do not advise, I think you want the Dolphins to win. 
I think you want the Dolphins to win because then they go to Baltimore. And I don't know, even though the Chiefs are not the Chiefs, I would still feel more com- feel more comfortable and confident going against either C.J. Stroud or Joe Flacco, right? I mean, in that stage, I would think those would be the guys you would want to play. But Although I would ask you this. Once again, you think has a better chance just, to beat the Ravens? Um, Probably. Because, it, it, because it the Chiefs, if the that Chiefs have to go – that doesn't matter to, to me. To to that, does, though, that doesn't matter to me. The, the, just beat the team in front of you. The Bills can beat the Ravens. Right. The Bills right. play their a, the, the Bill the Bills beat their A game. They can beat anybody. So to be right. having a team, you know, don't make it harder on yourself to try and avoid it from another team. I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, and I think the Bills are the second best team in the AFC. And I think the Bills have the ceiling to beat anybody and also have the far to lose to anybody. That's just the way that this team has been all year. So for me, it's just handle your business in front of you. And then if you win, and that means the Chiefs are coming to town, you can beat the Chiefs at home. I think that you should beat the Chiefs at home. But same thing, you should definitely beat Joe Flacco at home for as good as their defense is. And you should also be able to beat C.J. Stroud as a rookie for as impressive as he is another game you should be able to win. So that's for down the road this week. All about, all about the Steelers. A lot to get to this week. We'll stay on top of injuries. Rasul Douglas, Gabe Davis, Ty Johnson, and Tyrell Dodson, all the four guys who left the game who did not return for the Buffalo Bills. We'll stay on top of all that. You can do that with Matt on WKBW TV channel seven. You can do that with me on WGR sports radio Five Fifty. Matt, have a safe flight back to Buffalo. And we'll talk again later this week, brother. Thank you, buddy, and good job with that interview after the game. I know that that was super exciting for Bills fans, all the fans that went down, and I know that this is just a really exciting time. The last thing I want to say as I bring my rental car back to the rental car garage right now Mm -hmm. is enjoy it. Four straight division titles (laughs) is not anything to take for granted. It was pretty cool last night. After the game and after, you know, the dust it's 1 o'clock in the morning, one thirty in the morning, and I'm just kind of standing there. And I'm just flashing back to when the drought ended in that building and to see what this team has, even though they haven't really accomplished anything because they haven't won, the way that they have transformed this organization and become a consistent contender and a team that's probably going to continue to do this for several years is pretty remarkable. So enjoy it for a while and then shift your focus to, it's like, did you see the video from after the game of Josh going up to Steph and just yelling, four more wins, four more wins? That, that's I the didn't. mindset. That's the mindset for the teams. They're celebrating after the game. They're all going around. They're hugging each other. And Josh just goes up to Steph, and he's just like, four more wins, four more wins, four more wins. And he said it after the game. He's like, the T-shirts and the hats are cool. The division is cool. This is all about winning a Super Bowl. So well, enjoy, enjoy this, and then we start talking about that other stuff. I did see the video of them coming in the locker room and very, very excited about that T-shirt. They're like as excited as I was when we won the intramural softball or flag football championship at Syracuse University getting a T-shirt, baby. I mean, that's what it's all about. So they're yeah. excited about that, but they're shifting their attention. We'll shift our attention the next time on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. For Matt, I'm Sal. Thanks for being with us here on the Bills-Dolphins postgame wrap. The Bills, AFC East Division champions for the fourth straight year.